0: everyone, and welcome back to the Locked On Fantasy Hockey Podcast. Our Tuesday shows are reserved for sustainability, where we talk about hot streaks, cold streaks, and find out whether or not they are real. We're your hosts, TJ Branson and Zachary Vogel. Hey, hey, hey. So let's get through the injuries and returns and some headlines before we get into the sustainability talk. So Stephen Stamkos is missing a second straight game right now. He is day-to-day-ish. That's a quote from John Cooper per Joe Smith on Twitter. He hopes to be in by the end of the week. Patrice Bergeron has a lower body injury and is going to be out against Montreal. Alex Kerfoot is suspended for two games following a cross-check to former teammate Eric Johnson. And Tomas Hurdle is going to miss tonight, Monday night's game. He's day-to-day with a lower body injury. It's believed to be an ankle injury. Mika Zabanejad is eyeing a Wednesday return. And for that, I got to say, I'll believe it when I see it. Because I feel like he's been eyeing a return for three weeks now.
1: I'm, so, I'm sorry, TJ.
0: It's been rough. Uh, Miko Rantanen has been at practice in a non-contact sweater. He was there today. So that's the first step in the right direction. Nicholas Backstrom is progressing. He skated before practice today, but is going to remain out for Wednesday's game versus Florida. Chris Latang was activated from IR and is in the lineup for tonight. So for the headlines, Rupi Hintz is going to center the top line with Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan. Justin Dowling was hurt on Saturday night, and Hintz is also going to be featured on the top power play, or at least the power play that's on the top of the list that I look at. It's with Ben Pavelski, Perry, and Heskinen. So we're going to see which unit actually gets more power play share there because, you know, I I kind of think that the Sagan, Radulov, Klingberg, on paper, the top power play.
1: You have to feel like you have a little bit of vindication for that, right? The whole poopy thing, just being high on him at the beginning of the year before anything even happened. Hell, at the end of last year, you were high on poopy hints.
0: And uh, somebody I was wrong about so far is Nikita, Nikita gusev. uh He well, is getting. We, we like to make sandwiches.
1: I, I like to make sandwiches. All right, so we'll 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 give you a good thing, and then we got I gotta take you down a notch.
0: So the rupee hints is the meat, and the gusev is the bread, and it's like yeah. a I don't know, like a sour bread. I'm not a fan. I was of sour gonna bread.
1: say sourdough.
0: Did I say sour bread? I meant sourdough. I idiot. know what you mean. idiot. I build my whole life around sandwiches. <laughs> anyway, Nikita Gusev, he's getting top power play time again. He is, however, on the third line. Now, this is a power play that is not great to begin with, but they definitely have potential. Uh, but it's just not clicking. Gusev also has 17 shots on goal in his last four games, and that's absolutely reassuring. He also potted two points as well. What do you think? Are we starting to get a pulse? From Nikita Gusev, are people allowed to pick him up again? Is this sort of like a green light?
1: I don't think you ever weren't allowed to pick him up. I mean, he has a good shot, which will lend you to picking up point. He's much more viable in a point situation uh, when that's the kind of league that you're in. But in Cats, he's really not going to do much for you. As long as he can still shoot, he's worth having around, But definitely not as a keeper. He's still in streamer territory. Absolutely.
0: Okay. All right, Zach, I had fun with the gut check speed round last week. Let's do it again. We kind of went overboard. We did, what, like 15 players last week or something in the gut check. So so there's not many left. So let's talk about one, two, three, four. Let's talk about five guys, and we'll just get an initial reaction out of you. Blake Coleman, he's got points in five out of his last six with six points in there. He's got four goals, two assists, 15:54 time on ice, and shooting at 40% in the span. All of his points at even strength. He's got second line time with Jack Hughes.
1: I don't see it. Uh, They move him around too much. I've seen him on the fourth line. I've seen him on the third line. He just happens to be on the second line right now. I'm not buying it.
0: Philip Hedl, he's got points in six out of his last eight, totaling seven points. And these are all, again, even strength points. He's got five goals, two assists in there with 19 shots on goal. 26.3 shooting percentage with 16.39 time on ice. He's getting second line time with, at the time of writing this, it was Chris Kreider, although Kreider has been bumped to the top line. I believe it's Brendan Lemieux and Pavel Buchnevich now. He is on a semi-lackluster power play unit that does have Truba, D'Angelo Buchnevich, and Brendan Lemieux on it. What do you think of Philip Hedl?
1: I'm high on Philip Hedl. I like where he's at. I think he's a top six talent and can stay there. I'm going to go with yes on this one.
0: Okay, streamer.
1: He's a streamer. I'm not keeping it. Like, I'm not holding on to him, but I'm streaming him for now. We'll see what happens.
0: Next up is Oliver Bjorkstrand. He has six points in his last three games. One goal, five assists. In Bjorkstrand's last 10 games, he has five two-point games. 3.3 shots on goal per game in that span. 16-14 average time on ice, shooting at a reasonable 9.1%. Five power play points, getting top power play and third line even strength minutes. He has two points in his first 12 games and now has 10 in his last 10.
1: I'm not buying this one. I, I like his line mates, at least, even though he is on the third line. I'm not huge on his minutes. I just don't trust Columbus, I think.
0: They have been moving stuff around just as much as, if not more, than New Jersey. It's hard to, from day to day, to to project what player is going to be where. Next up is Andrew Kopp. He's got five points in his last five. One goal, four assists on 14 shots on goal seeing 1929 average time on ice in that span. Six hits, two blocks. And even more impressive, he keeps it going in his last 10. He adds another three points, seven hits, six blocks, but with much less time on ice. In his last five of this 10-game stretch, he's seeing about a minute and a half more ice time than that first five games of that stretch. Right now, he's getting top power play time with Connor, Shifley, Ehlers, and Morrissey, if Josh Morrissey comes back on Wednesday, that is. And since November 8th, he's been seeing almost double his usual power play time on ice and still gets penalty kill time too. He saw five minutes and 49 seconds of special teams time in his last game against Columbus. What do you think of Andrew Kopp?
1: I like the amount they're putting him in there, and I like the different situations that they're putting him in there. It's just that he's at a logjam on the left wing. Uh, So he has Nikolai Ehlers and Kyle Connor in front of him. At least he gets to play with them on the power play, but I just find it hard to hold on to him.
0: Cop also can play center, so there is a scenario in which Wheeler can move back to the top line, and Cop could get that second line center spot. It would be Oh, so you're saying
1: Wheeler, Wheeler goes to right wing, and Rosslevecz gets knocked down. Okay,
0: exactly. So they would run if that, the line if
1: that happens. Then the game changes big time.
0: So streamer,
1: I'll give that to you. But I'm not as sold as some of these other players.
0: John Marino, he's on a four-game point streak with seven shots in that span with a five-shot game and a two-shot game. So if you can do really quick mental math, that's two zero-shot games in there. No points tonight. One goal, four assists. He's on a 31-point pace on the year in 21 games played so far, 113 shots on goal pace. His hits and blocks are okay-ish, neither pacing for over 100. Here's where it gets interesting. So since Letang was injured, Marino saw his minutes jump from 16.55 average time on ice with one point in 12 games and just barely breaking over a shot on goal per game. Now he's seeing 21.44 average time on ice with seven points in nine games on 16 shots and a 12.5 shooting percentage. Letang is playing tonight. I hope he showed enough in the span that Letang was out that he's not going to go right back to that 16.55 time on ice span. What do you think about Marino here?
1: You're fully aware I had a good feeling about him over the weekend. I liked him even uh, early last week. I preached, pick up John Marino. I am now preaching, don't pick up John Marino. (laughs) Chris Letang is back. It's going to put a damper on it, dude. It's just the truth. Um, So he's not going to get the same looks that he was getting. He's not going to get the same chances not being on that top pairing. I'm going to back off John Marino on this one. I'm saying streamer in very deep leagues.
0: Yeah, it looks like he's getting no power play time either. But like I said, all of his stuff is at even strength. So, all right, man, that's going to take us to our first break. And when we get back, we're going to be talking about, are they really this good? We're going to be talking about guys like Morgan Frost, Anthony Sorelli, Nick Suzuki, Andreas Athanasiu, and Brett Connolly. So stay tuned. We're going to be right back. We're going to start off by talking some Morgan Frost, who since coming into the league, He's got three points in three games. So I want to start off by saying that we are just looking at a sample size of three games here. Super and, the, fucking spot. <laughs> and the fourth game is actually happening right now. It's a 1-1 tie. And, and he has spot. no points. He has no points. So I think if we're asking ourselves if this point-per-game rookie is real, that we can just stop the conversation right now and move on. But I do want to look anyway. So he's top line, top power play, getting a lot of buzz in fantasy circles. But he's still only getting 1446 average time on ice. In the AAHL, he had a 60-point pace. And if you remember, he was the first rounder that we traded Braden Shen away for. He wound up having two absolutely stellar over 100-point seasons in the OHL for Sault Ste. Marie. Now, right now, while his confidence is high and Elaine Vigneault, who is a notorious line shuffler... While his confidence in Frost has not been broken yet, I think it's as good a time as any to get in on Morgan Frost. Right now he's shooting three shots a game, but he is shooting 22% with an on-ice shooting percentage that's higher than I can get behind. Now he's built his young career being a playmaker, if you look at any of his minor league stats, he's had over a 2-to-1 ratio of assists to goals. And this year, he's got two goals and one assist. I, I can't believe we're talking about this in a three-game sample size. The goals are going to cool off, and the assists are going to come. I think, in closing, know this three points in an extremely small three-game sample size is not the real Frost. Now, I would give him a tryout on my fantasy roster, see what all that buzz is about, you know, especially since you and I are both homers. I think it's ridiculous to expect a point per game out of a rookie but to get in on this kind of streak while the confidence is sky high probably your best course of action
1: no doubt don't get me wrong I definitely want to believe that he is this for real but the sample size is way too low his shooting percentage is way too high at 22.2 percent and his time on ice is also way too low at 1446 so I mean we can't really make a determination as yet but one thing is for sure Morgan Frost will slow down I totally agree with you but he is certainly worth a look as a streamer just to start. Don't get attached yet, but top line and top power play, you can't hate that.
0: Right now, he's got it. You know, the potential is there. I just think to make a decision after three games is a bit absurd. Next up is your boy, Anthony Cirelli.
1: Yeah, I was right, bitch. (laughs) Prove it. I've always thought he was for real. I do think he is for real. I'm going to say that right now. Four goals and three assists in his last four games – that is a very sustainable 54% shooting percentage.
0: I'm going to have to it's disagree. Gonna be,
1: it's going to be the first time that's ever happened in forever. No, I'm kidding. It's awesome that he scored all those points in, in, in these last couple of games, and I'm super excited about it, but I definitely want to take a step back here. He is certainly streamable at the time. When they have a back-to-back coming up or anything like that, if there's a... If there's a day when they're playing on an off day, Anthony Sorelli is going to be one of your top streamers. But I really kind of see him as more of like a 50-point guy with like 20 goals, 30 assists.
0: Now, I've heard that 200 games is the threshold for a breakout. And I hear this quite often on Dauber Hockey in their ramblings in different articles that are there. Right now, Sorelli is at 119. In his NHL career, he has 64 points in those 119 games. He's got seven in his last four, just like you were saying. So, in my opinion, a couple things are playing against Sorelli. First, he's got absolutely no consistent power play time. Actually, I'm going to make it three things that are playing against him because I just thought of another one. Somehow, with 11 minutes total power play time this year... Sorelli has three power play points. Hmm. Now, he's he's not a power play guy in the eyes of John Cooper, who already has two pretty stacked power play units. It's wildly crowded on the Tampa Bay man advantage. And I think the second thing playing against Sorelli is the deployment. Now, you're going to say to me, hey, TJ, he's on the second line. How is that a problem? And but I'll he's tell ya, still
1: getting 1744 time on ice and over 18 minutes in his last five games. I like that.
0: You're playing right into my trap a little bit, and it's because... Stephen Stamkos is out for the, these last two games, and, and only one is on record. I, I get that. Now, for these four games, three of those, Stamkos was there, and I understand it. But while Stamkos is out, he's going to be the second-line center. And when he comes back, you have Braden Point and Steven Stamkos who can both play center. They've done it in the past. They've put one of Braden Point on the top line or Steven Stamkos on the top line, and the second one manning a second line with Anthony Sorelli subjected to bottom six minutes Through no fault of his own, because I do think I agree with you. He has the talent. It sucks that he's on Tampa. That's such a good team that cannot give him consistent top six minutes. Maybe they stack the top line and Sorelli can be your second line center. That is best case scenario for Anthony Sorelli, but still best case scenario being a 55 point guy, there's better options out there. And I'm on board with you saying he's a streamer. Now, the third thing that's playing against him is he has a career high 123 shots on goal. And right now he's pacing for just around that. He's not shooting. And that's something that needs to come up. I can't push for Anthony Sorelli being a hold or a breakout without seeing. Like he he barely has over one shot a game right now. He has 28 shots in 20 games. That's brutal. Now, as soon as he starts hitting two, two and a half, those kind of numbers, then I can get behind it. And those are the things that I want to see for Sorelli. We talked about it, I think, off air at one point. The best thing for Anthony Sorelli is a trade.
1: Yeah, what did I say earlier? I said he needs to play on a different team.
0: So I, I, de- I definitely think Sorelli can do some damage this year. He can, he can probably push past 50 points. Right now he's on pace for 57, and I think it's in the cards. I just am not sold on it being this year. We're going to move on to somebody we haven't talked about in at least 24 hours, and that's Nick Suzuki. He's made, like, every single one of our last seven Because he's great. He's gotten half of his points this year in the last six games. He's been shooting at 23% in that stretch. And on the year, he's pacing for 43 points. Personally, I'm going to take the over, and I'm going to tell you why. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to break his season down into two halves. Now, they have 23 games, so it's going to be, you know, 11 games and 12 games for you sticklers out there. But in his most recent half, he's got seven points in 11 games. Now, if you think I'm trying to, like, gerrymander this he would have eight points in 12 games if i if i did the most recent half first so no, that's a
1: accuse you of gerrymandering dude i accused
0: myself in the paranoid part of my brain right now he's on a 52 point pace in those 11 games and in his first half of the season he had five points in 12 games which is a 34 point pace and now i think he's closer to that 52 point base guy than he is to that 34 point pace player mm-hmm. from the first half of the season now suzuki's been getting sweet power play time with Druin out during these six weeks that Druin is out. He's going to make a serious case to keep it. And I think, honestly, I think he would be a great addition to the Druin and Domi line after, after Druin returns. I think it was Joel Armia for the most part. They did try Suzuki up there, but then they also put him down to the fourth line. They had him on the third line. It never really stuck. So if, if he can really make a case for himself in these next six weeks, I think top power play top six is definitely in his wheelhouse. Now, I think his 57-point pace over the course of the last 10 games is what we can expect, but only while Druin is out. And when Druin comes back, either you know he does impress enough to keep the deployment or they bump him in hopes for depth and he's going to lose minutes. So all said and done, I see him right around 50 points.
1: I think my, my favorite part about picking up Nick Suzuki is the fact that he's 4.8% owned in ESPN and only 11% owned in Yahoo!, and it's this this week. This week they have a great schedule, TJ. Yeah, they
0: do. They're,
1: they're playing Boston tonight. They're one of two teams that play on Thanksgiving Day. And they're playing at home against New Jersey, a team that they can definitely score on. And then they are playing on a really heavy day. They're playing in Philadelphia. You might not be playing him on Saturday, but then they back it up with an at-Boston Sunday game. So they're playing on three off nights, One of which is Thanksgiving, where there's only how many games? There's only one. It's just New Jersey versus Montreal.
0: Yeah, screw football.
1: And I want to start stockholding anybody that plays on that day. Because I want points when my opponent can't get them because he has nobody playing.
0: All right. I think we've sold, sold the people on our thoughts on Nick Suzuki. Maybe we'll put a pin in that for the next couple episodes here. Next up is Andreas Athanasiu, and this one's kind of short because he was on a hot streak, and then Mantha hits the shelf for a couple weeks, and Andreas Athanasiu gets demoted, and Darren Helm is now in his spot. Like, what the heck is that about? So Athanasiu's seven points in his last eight games seems as if it's going to be pretty short-lived. His His shooting percentage is due for an uptick, but I don't think that he's going to hit 30 goals from last year, especially playing on the third line. He is on the top power play, but it's the detroit power play and they don't they're not exactly potent so i don't i don't even think we're going to get 25 goals out of Athanasiu. and i say from the third line his streak or hot player whatever you want to call it that's over too
1: i'm not buying Athens CU. i mean the whole idea of well someone's going to score it looks like it's not Athanasiu. he's not going to get close to 30 goals either not buying it all
0: right so our last guy in are they really this good brett Connolly. Seven points in his last six games played, 11 goals on the year. He's been shooting all year at 28.2%. He's getting okay power play time for Florida. He's in the second power play and getting the best time on ice of his career, but still staggeringly low considering that he's on a 62-point pace. He's seeing... 14.5 14 and a half minutes average on the year and 1504 during the six game streak. Now on top of his 28% shooting percentage, his on-ice shooting percentage is 13 and a half. Now granted it's his first year in Florida, seeing his shots per 60 drop paired with a unsustainable personal and on-ice shooting percentage, I'm going to have to say that his 36 goal pace it's not going to happen. And thusly that's going to drive down his 62 point pace. And you'll come to the conclusion that no, Brett Connolly is not for real. But we should ride the wave while it's clicking.
1: No, he's definitely not for real. When I said I liked him before, he was on the second line like he is now. If he's on the second line playing with Vinny Trocek, then yeah, he's worth it. But once he dropped down to that third line, he dropped off a cliff. So I'm going to go with no on this one as well. If he's getting top six deployment, however, I'm looking at a stream.
0: Such a bad week for for Florida only two
1: games games. when we get back we are going to roll into are they really this bad manti will be right back so we are back and we are going to look at are they really this bad honestly some of them i think are a yes and some of them calm down a little bit a lot of these guys are obviously not this bad morgan riley matt duchene john tavares they're having rough patches but we're going to get to the bottom of it. We've dissected cold streaks already in Johnny Goudreau, Dylan Larkin, Carey Price, and many others recently. So go back and check those out. If you want to hear analysis on them right now, let's get into, are they really this bad?
0: Zach, you want to know something crazy? What? Oliver Bjorkstrand just scored another goal. I know. I saw. First, we're going to bring up Morgan Riley. And I want to start with a conspiracy theory that I have. And I share with some users on Twitter. I don't know how many, but there's definitely more than zero. Morgan Riley has been sitting out of practices, kind of religiously, and more so when Mike Babcock was in. There was a four game stretch where Riley had undisclosed things going on. I don't know if it's him protesting Mike Babcock or whatever. It also could be the fact that he might be dealing with a hidden injury, something that's like just under the surface. It's not huge. It's not like a broken leg or anything, but it's enough to keep him from playing more hockey than he needs to. Now, what I do know, and that's not a conspiracy theory, is that Riley has dropped to a 56-point pace following a 72-point campaign. He's pointless in five, and he's got two points in his last 10. And right now he's got Tyson Berry breathing down his throat, possibly competing for a top power play spot when Marta comes back. And that does not bode well. I think Riley is around that 55 point guy that he's pacing for right now. And going into the year, we had him. I, had, I personally had him between like 55 and 60. And he went his first 15 games at a point per game pace. Now that's kind of right now we're in the eye of the storm. And it was kind of expected. Now we're, we're in the calm of it, you know, and now we're in the eye. And I do expect it to get stormy again. And you better hope it happens soon. So that he can throw his hat in the ring, keeping that top power play spot if they choose to not break up the three forward two defenseman thing that they got going on.
1: I'm pretty upset. Uh, what you have written here, almost word for word what I have. Almost word for word.
0: Even about the hurricane analogy?
1: Not the hurricane analogy. It's the only thing I didn't have. <laughs> Everything else he's had almost word, and I'm not lying, word for word.
0: Excellent. Now I, I don't I, I
1: don't like that. Why well, I got I got nothing of that Almost word. Except I said uh, Barry breathing down his neck. You said something similar, but I said another his throat, body yeah. part.
0: Throat yeah, a little more sexy.
1: You got I, I said you gotta wonder if he's hearing the noise. Hmm. But yeah, so so we should sucks. just move
0: into Matt Duchesne then. Uh, okay, so when he was in Ottawa, he was the big fish in a small pond. He posted 58 points in 50 games for the Senators and then got traded to Columbus and had 12 points in 23 games. So he went from over a point per game for the Sens to about a half point per game in Columbus. And I don't think that Matt Duchesne is either of the players that we saw last year, whether it was for Columbus or Ottawa. Right now, you got Duchesne playing second fiddle to Ryan Johansson in the center depth. And you got to look at it. He's getting two and a half minutes less than his total average from last year between the two teams. But somehow they decided to give him 40 seconds more power play time. I know he was like kind of the power play spark that they thought they needed or whatever, but he's got six points in his last 10 games, and it's kind of hard to figure out why that he was suggested for this segment. Maybe expectations were too high coming into it, but I think he's on a 63-point pace right now, and I think for a second-line center who's seeing two and a half minutes less than his 79-point pace last year, I think that's right on par with where we can expect to see Duchesne at the end of the year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that... uh that Matty Douche is having a sneaky, steady season. I mean, he has 17 points, that's 6 goals and 11 assists in 21 games played. His uh, his shooting percentage is an incredibly normal 12.8 this year. His career average is a 12.9. Yeah. Everything looks normal. It looks like he plays. He has about the same amount of shots coming. I, I think he's just going to have a steady year. I don't think he's quote-unquote really this bad at all.
0: No, nah, I think this is him.
1: He's not doing bad. That That's just where it starts, and that's where it ends.
0: Yeah, shots per 60 is, like, right on par. Points per 60 is actually up.
1: And five of his points are on the power play, like you suggested as well. Three of those goals and two of those assists. That's not too shabby in 17 points. That's right around what I'm looking for.
0: All right, next up is John Gibson. Keep on talking about goalies. It's great. It's
1: Keep safe. on keeping on, man.
0: All right, so the Ducks—they are two-five and three in their last ten. They've been outscored twenty-six to forty, averaging two point six goals per game. That is a mirror image of their first fourteen games, where they went eight-six and zero, outscoring opponents thirty-nine to thirty-five. I mean, it's a small jump—two point eight goals four per game. Now they gave up four goals per game in their last ten, and were only given up like 2.4 in their first 14. Gibson is 7, 10, and 1 on the year. He's got a 9.08 and a 3.02 goals allowed average. He's 3, 6, and 1 in his last 10 with a sub-900 save percentage, 7 out of those 10 being 900 or lower save percentages. Now, despite his team, Gibson has somehow strung together a 50% quality start ratio and also posting the worst numbers in his career.
1: Yeah, but that 50% quality start ratio is the lowest of his career.
0: Yeah, and that's what I thats what I mean by, like, despite his team. He's getting no help, and I feel like anytime we talk about John Gibson having a rough week or uh, a rough go of it, it's because he's a great goalie on a bad team, and they're giving up four goals a game. That's not all on Gibson here. In his last six... He's got one quality start, a goal's allowed above four, and a sub-900 save percentage with a record of one, four, and one. Now, is this the Gibson we're going to get the rest of the year? No. His team is not going to carry him to many wins, like not even close to many. I think he's going to regain his composure. Now, would you realistically buy low on Job Gibson?
1: Uh, If I want a lot of saves, if I need wins, then no. And that's only if I'm really looking for goalie starts, number one, and saves, number two. If I yeah. don't give a shit about wins, and I don't give a shit about save percentage because he's going to torpedo the shit out of you with mm. an 8.06. You get a yeah. one-game 8.06, you're done. Mm-hmm. You are losing that. It's too hard to come back by. Unless I'm really trying to find something and I am digging deep, then no.
0: All right, fair enough. Personally, I would because I do think he's going to bounce back. I, I, You know, like like you said, I don't think he's going to be – a 908, like his season is trending right now. Like he might bring home a 500 win record by the end of the year, but I, d- I just don't have as much confidence in it as I'd like to. On some of my teams, my goalies are trash, and John Gibson would honestly be an upgrade. So I think right now, Gibson's probably got to have his lowest value. Zach, I just got an update that Rasmus Dahleen is out for the rest of the game. He took a hard hit from Eric Chernak, he got elbowed in the face. So all right, Zach, we got two more players to talk about. You only know about one, but I snuck another one in here. Let's go with John Tavares first.
1: I was going to say, I thought we had one dude left.
0: It's John Tavares, so let's, let's talk about him, and then uh, I'll, I'll sneak a real quick another one in here.
1: John Tavares' problems have, well, been incredibly evident without Marner on the ice. He's having problems meshing with a revolving door of line mates and the ability to drive offense on his own line. And honestly, I got to say, I did not see that one coming. Once Martyr returns, I expect some normalcy to come back. And he is John Tavares in the end. So he is a golden god. I expect him to start scoring goals again. What I will say, this is the perfect time to sucker someone out of John Tavares. It is the perfect buy low opportunity because he's going to be back and he's going to be back with a vengeance.
0: I agree. He's like, he's... Pointless in his last four, so I guess you can call him cold. Uh, not for lack of trying. He's got 11 shots in that span. As far as any of the other guys on this list, I think I'm less worried about Tavares than, than most of them. Uh, maybe yeah. we see a dip from 47 goals last year. He's shooting a whole lot less than last year. Last year, we saw almost three and a half shots per game. This year, it's down to less than two and a quarter. He's getting 30 seconds less ice time, but the biggest downgrade leading to that 64-point pace that he's on right now is the shot rate. He's got to bring those shots way up.
1: All right, so we're both agreed. Don't worry about John Tavares. If you can, go out and try and snag him from your local John Tavares owner.
0: All right, now for our last. Our I'm secret- excited. I'm excited. All right, time for some cage-free, GMO-free, hormone-free, free-range takes. And somebody that is on this list for are you really this bad? It's Michael Kempney. He's got no points in six games. Three shots on goal in that span. And yes, he is that bad.
1: Damn, you didn't have to like hit me right in the feels like that.
0: Yeah, that's that the whole seems, take.
1: That seems a little unnecessary.
0: That's the whole take right there. Oh, just, man. Wa- just wanted to sneak that in there before. I didn't want to put it on the docket so that you could see it. And, uh, and, ha-
1: and have a chance to defend myself?
0: Yeah, you're caught off guard. A little bit. It's free-range hot takes right now.
1: I'll say this. Michael <laughs> Kempney is Don't on Don't say a- anything. Don't say anything. He's on a little bit of a lull.
0: He's on a lull, but so is his whole career. It's a <laughs> no. lull. He's going to
1: Michael Kempney for Norris. You know what? Just put just put that in. You can take out just this. This is your blurb. Michael Kempney for Norris. There you go, TJ. for six Hasht- games. No points. Hashtag K for Ed.
0: It's not going to trend. It's not even going to come close. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in to our sustainability segment called Twitter
1: just so Are I They Real? It, so. I hope you do.
0: I hope you do. I need to see you on the interweb web, too. got to see your... Your handle tweeting out nonsense. Now, if you got anything to add, maybe we didn't cover a player that you're hoping to hear, you guys can feel free to tweet at us at LO underscore fantasy NHL, or you can go over 240 characters in our fantasy hockey discord channel. I'm going to post the link in the description here. And Zach, something I've been neglecting for weeks now is our dynasty league that's in the works. We're aiming to go for the slow draft in April. We're over halfway booked as far as managers go. So if you guys want in, You just follow that Discord link and and let me know. I'll get you added into our channel for the Dynasty League where we're going to hash out the scoring, the rules, all that stuff. Uh, So that's going to start in April. Thanks for listening. We are going to catch you guys tomorrow when we're joined by Andrew Dewhurst. We are going to be talking players who are outperforming or underperforming their ADP. So we'll catch you guys then. We love you.
1: Love you.